0: All right, so I, like I said, you see I wrote, are we going or coming? But you'll see if you think that's a good <laughs> title or not, but it doesn't matter. Let's get started, because the, the, the point is going to be, um, well, let's find out what the point is going to be. So verse number one? The beginning of is Bo. Hashem El Moshe, Bo El Paro. Hashem says to Moshe, do you want to translate that phrase? Bo El Paro. Come to Paro. Come to Paro. Right. Okay. That's not go to Paro good. or come to Paro? Come to Paro. If I'm talking to Moshe and Moshe is not with Paro, I would say, Go, go to Paro. In go fact, Paro, right? well, let's go finish the Pesach, but then we'll look at another Pesach. V'om HaShem HaMasheh Bo El Paro, because I have strengthened his heart and the heart of his servants, in order to be able to spread my signs and wonders you know, uh, throughout Mitzrayim. If you want to know more about that, I actually gave a share about it in the, in the base measure of Tina last week. I posted it on the website, if so you want to see it there. I never do that, but if you want to see another share. Uh, on that topic, why Hashem hardens Paro's heart, what does it look like? So, I just, so it's there on the, on the site, on the same WhatsApp, all that stuff. It's, still, it's there somewhere. Um, so fine. But the bottom line is, he says, come to Paro. Why? Because I have hardened his heart and the heart of his servants. Question? Anyone? Wouldn't well, that be the opposite? Would you time? say like, "Come, go to Paro because I made it e- easier for you, not harder." Okay, right. Go to Paro because I have strengthened his heart. I don't know, like, like, yeah, that, like, makes me more le- yeah. less comfortable to go. Maybe I don't know, like, right. yeah, like what? Right. It's kind of a funny combination of phrases. Go to Paro. Why? Because I have hardened his heart. Okay. Fine. Uh, fine. So now take a look at the next section, source number two. And this is, takes you back, actually, to last week's parasha, parasha. Paro's heart is heavy, and he is refusing to send the people. So what does Hashem say to do? Leich el-paro, which translates as, go to Paro, baboker, in the morning, he is standing He's going out to the water. Which water, presumably? The Nile River. The Nile River. Go River. The but, oh, good. So we know the Medrash that Par would <laughs> go to the bathroom in <laughs> the Nile because he, he was, was a, god, a god. So he can't go to the bathroom. In the bathroom, he has to go at the Nile River. Mm-hmm. Right. But that's a, that's a Medrash. But yes. So, and you should, and you should stand in front of him. Right now we know it. In front of, on the banks of the Nile River. And the... Uh, The staff that you would take that had turned into a snake, the initial time. So take that with you on your way. Fine, but the the bottom line is, is that initially Hashem tells tells Moshe to go to Parah, right? And by the way, interesting to to note also, there's something specific when he gets there. He's supposed to do when it says Lake. We're going to see some of the information pick this up. The language of vinitzavta, and you should stand, right? Nitzavim, right? To, to, to be Nitzav is to stand, usually to stand, stand strong, typically. And we'll have to see how that plays a role in this conversation. But the very, very simple question, which many, many of them are bothered by, is, Bo El Paro doesn't make sense. Hashem tells Moshe often, Leich El Paro, go to Paro and tell them, etc. Bo El Paro means, come to Paro, right? So, why the change from the language of Leich to the language of Bo? That's our question for this afternoon, Okay? Any thoughts about it before come I give an answer? Ah, uh, what do you mean? Hashem is saying, come with me to Paro." In other words, I'll be with you. Ah, uh, so maybe there's something that, a come is something that we do when we're together. Yes. Right? Oh, by, by the way, where else could Paro be if Hashem says come? He could already be there. He could already be there, right? Come to Paro. I'm already at Paro, Right, exactly. Or I'm going to go with you. Great. I'm about to see. Yeah, good. Excellent. Okay, so let's take a look. When to see a number of explanations, as usual, you can choose the one that you like. The best. Source number three says the Ibn Ezra. Ibn Ezra writes as follows. Bo el Paro, bo elav Zos Hapam. Go to him this time. What do you mean? Val Bavur shechazak libo ar'ata. Don't be like, don't be worried, discouraged, upset. Don't be like nervous, basically, to come. Okay? Don't be nervous to come. Meaning, by now already, in Parsha's bow, we've already had all the markers except for three, right? So we're really getting to the end here. And Hashem says to Moshe, I know like it's been kind of like, hasn't worked so well yet, meaning it's worked, sort of. He's punishing power a lot, but we still have not gotten what we, what we wanted, right? Yet, right? I don't know, I kind of, I don't know if you feel the same way. I, you know, you kind of feel that way with the war, right? Like, They've done a lot of damage. They've killed lots of terrorists. They've taken over all kinds of territory. And I don't know if anyone feels like so... Hostages, still there. Like, well, I don't think we really feel better. yet anybody, right? You feel, I, I don't know, it's kind of confusing. Yeah, it's confusing. So here, you know, you know it's sort of maybe a little bit similar. I never thought about it like this until now. But like, Hashem has brought seven plagues on Mitzrayim. It's really messing them up. They're so, it's making them crazy. And Hashem looks super strong. Still not out still not out still, still slaves right so Moshi might be like a little despondent so he says to him go to him now right why and don't be worried that he has been hardening his heart and refusing to let you go why mm-hmm. meaning who did it I did it it's me I did it I'm, God says I'm the one holding the reins here the reason Paro hasn't given in yet is not because he's not willing to let you go he would let you go I don't want to. I'm not gonna let. I'm not letting you go just yet, right? So he kind of, it's it's a, the presumably it sounds like the language of Bo is his language of like encouragement a little bit maybe, right? Like a, mm-hmm. and like don't it maybe come with me, right? But like let's go, don't worry. We're in it together. We're in it together, right? Because Moshe might be feeling discouraged. It's been so long. By the way, by that point, it's been seven months. Right? For us, it's been three months. Right? It's been seven months already of you know, barrage after barrage after barrage on um, paro, one week on, three weeks off, one week on, three weeks off, since the Medrash. Right? So it was, it, 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 it was start and stop a little bit for seven months. You know, God had told them they were going to leave. What's going on here? That's your almighty all God. And it still hasn't happened yet. He don't worry. The reason, because I'm the one who has done that. He doesn't say this. Uh, and he writes also he's kireleva right Why does he also mention the, the heart of the people of the, of the servants? Once Arba came apparently, even the even the slaves were like. Right? I think they mentioned they said probably like, let them go already. Right? At one point the slave the, the servants of said like what, what you, right? get them out of here already? Just stop it right. So they're already losing losing it also. Um, but. Uh, I don't know if this is what the Ibn Ezra <laughs> means, but if you look, just look back in, in source number one again, in Pesach Aleph. If you've done a little, i uh, have been in Hebrew class ever with conjugating verbs, right? If you're, if you want to say, if, you, if Hashem wants to say, I have hardened his heart, what could it say? Ki Doesn't have to say ani You can say that, but. Hichparati is understood, ani. So I wonder, why is it, maybe the reason it says, ani, hichparati, is to emphasize that it, it's me who has made his. I don't know if that's what even Ezra means. But I just found it interesting. Maybe the extra emphasis on the word ani, again, is making this same, uh, same point. Fine. So that's approach number one. Approach number one is that Bo, El Paro, seems to be maybe a language of motion. He's a little encouragement because he's going to feel a little bit bothered by what's, you know, they haven't gotten there yet. And Hashem says, Don't worry, I'm the one pulling the strings, and don't worry, it's gonna, he's going to fall through eventually. Yeah. And don't, don't lose hope. No, he's going to be intimidated. Right, exactly. Don't be intimidated. It's okay, I'm with you, it's going it's it's to work out. Okay, Take a look at the Al Sheikh in source number four. So the Al Sheikh, who we, we called the Al Sheikh last week, also, I think, right? The Al Sheikh lived in, in Svat. With uh, the Kabbalists in the 1500s, like Yosef Cairo. And he writes, Al-Kain Amarlo, at a longer piece, but he writes, Al-Kain Amarlo, Yit Barach, Bo El Paro. And that's why Hashem says to him, Go to Paro, or come to Paro. Don't be worried. Don't, don't hold back, literally, from going to see him. Because you might think that he's very strong. Velo Yashuv Ode, and he's never going to change his mind, right? It's a similar idea that the Ibn thing, right? Don't be nervous that he's so strong. Power is so strong, right? And he's refusing, he's so stubborn, he won't give in. <speaking> in <Hebrew> I'm the one who've done it. Done it. All right? So it's, the same, it's basically the same idea. But, but you see multiple infarction are picking up on this. The, it's, the pair, it's not just the word bow, but it's the pairing of the word bow with that phrase, <speaking in Hebrew> Uh, there's, a con- there's a connection there. There's something that was holding Moshe back, and the language changes from leich to bo. Why? Because he needs a little extra encouragement. Fine. Okay. So now look at Rebbe in source number 5 says something a little bit a little bit different. And he writes this, fellas. Vim ti s'takel If you look at the language and all of the parshios, Timsa ki ashtayim basra b'achas a lot of times we find the language of stand in front of Paro, ubashniya, and then other times you see bo el Paro. Right, so the, again, the ben Bachai Also, you see this. You have a lot. So many refashim. I remember when I was like in when I was teaching high school, and when I was in high school, I still remember all the teachers who would take like all the you take like all the makos and line them up, and the language of each one is like can make you a little dizzy. But like, there's a lot of interesting. Um, parallels an interesting kind of like symmetry. Plague one and four, two, right? like, two and five. Like if you look, they're set up in sets of threes. And we do this a lot in the, in the Seder even, right? Yeah. right? We, do, we, we, we set them up in the, in the sets of threes because there's, there's, there's like themes that go through the different. Exactly. We set them up in, in themes because there's certain thematic elements that come back in each group of of makos, but in even the language that's used, right? He, so look what he says: Hit chil b'makas dam. When it comes to dam, he says: Leich el paro b'avoker. Go to paro. Vinit sav talikrato asfasayar. Right? Go to paro in the morning. That's the pasuk I brought you earlier. Right? And stand in front of him. U'makas tzvardeim hiskier. And then by tzvarde it says bo el paro. Okay. Makas kakinim ein shamasra. by the way, because those first two, there are is something. these are These are all warnings. Let them go, because if not, I'm gonna bring X on your on your people. So Dam he says Leich, Fradei he says Bo, kinim, nothing. It just comes. Kinim comes on its own. There's no warning. Once someone's gotten hit and they get and they and they they repeat the same mistake, right? You told them not to do it, they did it anyways. They tell them not to do it again. They do it anyways. What do you do by the third time? You don't give them Hasra. You don't give them warning anymore. You just punish them. But makas ha-arov, chazol isturo, harishav, v'hizkir sham, hashkehim baboga v'it yadzev, livnei paro. Again, by Arov. Number four, again, go and stand in front of paro. By Dever, bo el paro. Come to paro. Right? Makas in e'n sham When it comes to the sixth one, there's no there's no warning. But makas barad. Again, the same thing. save, v'it Bo no, that's right. Fascinating, okay? Each time. Interesting. So we were Yotzei high school, Chomish <laughs> class, okay? So what's going on here? Valkai, nearly the farish. Therefore, I want to explain the following, it says Rebbeinah B'chai. That every time Moshe would give him a warning, one time he would be at the Nile, but the other time, leich v'hi-t'yatzev, go and stand strong, that was a denial. But Bo would be inside the palace. Why does it change the language to Bo? You're going to go inside, into his palace. What What did Paro do? Every time he would Warn him at the Yor, at the now, nah. why would he do power then leave and go into his palace, like retreat into his palace? so Velo Bo Gam Lazo. He'd go to he would go inside and he wouldn't listen. It was like his way of of retreating and going back to some kind of like quieter place where he could strengthen himself. Each time one in the one in the Nile and a warning inside his inside the building. Lahoros al onsho Because each time it was affecting attacking something else that he felt proud of. Why do you feel proud of the the yor? The Nile, the Nile was the source of all the of the entire Egyptian economy, right? So he shows up there. That's what he feels proud of, and he says, "Look, I'm gonna I'm gonna." And that's why that's why it begins. That's all the makos begin by hitting the yor. It's not random. Right. The decision to hit the Eor is the scariest thing to do to, to the Egyptians. Right. Hit the Eor. And that's the there, the come from where? From the Eor. The thing that is your lifeblood right, is now sending you all these horrible things. So he goes there to knock down his belief, his strength in the Eor. And then we're out. Right, <laughs> he, he would say, like, power would say, the Nile is mine and I made it. Right. <laughs> and what else was he proud of? His palace. His palace. His palace. Right. <laughs> He would go home. He would go to his fancy place and feel proud of himself and feel good about what he had. And say, so I'm really strong. I'm like, look at me. Look what I have. Look at my, right? I'm, I'm, I'm doing great. Right? And he wouldn't need, right? He would, his way to kind of like feel powerful, right? And everything that he was doing. So I want to show you that the Rav, um, Yeah, I want to show you the Rav, source number seven. So, Selevejic focuses on this idea. He says it a little different. He doesn't call it Ravini but it's, it's, it's literally taking this idea of Ravini Bachayai and like, like putting on steroids. The Rav says something very interesting. Source number seven, this is from that book that I really like, The Rav Thinking Aloud, where I think I've told you before, it's like the recordings of literally, the, literally tapes. That they took tape recordings of the Rav giving room, giving like partial drushes. And like just wrote them down. It just took the exact recording. So it's like his voice. It's Mamish's voice. Whenever Moshe addressed himself to Paro, the king, Paro the emperor, the public figure who represented the nation, Moshe met him on the shores of the Nile River. Why? Because the Nile was in ancient Egypt and has been throughout ages and still is the symbol of Egyptian might and power and prosperity. And if there's economic security, there's also political stability. Take a look now at the Aswan Dam is what that is for Egypt. I don't know what that is, but if you guys know what it is, that, that's good proof. The Nile is, like, is, is the symbol of power, the pride and fortress of Egypt. So Hashem told Moshe, get up in the morning and address yourself to the proud, self-confident, power-oriented, and authority-conscious Paro, whose word is law for millions of people. You must meet him at the brink of the river. He depersonalize of the king, don't address him, please, but with a warning, with an ultimatum. To the proud Pharaoh, don't address a petition, but a demand. Tell him that he violated the inalienable rights of the people. And what do you do there? Hit Yatsev, you stand up tall there, right? What does that mean? Stop him, block him, let him feel that there are people who are stronger than him. You are the match. Never mind that you individually are just a shepherd. Three days ago, you took care of sheep, of your father in law. The, 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 the Pharaoh knew about that. Now, show strength inner strength he gets saved, paro. place yourself in front of him confront him courageously protest against the crowds of Egypt bottom line being that at the Nile you're talking to Paro the king what's Bo el Paro? drop down on the same page next paragraph at other times the Almighty changed the verb instead of Leich the Almighty said Bo el Paro go in unto Paro what does it mean Bo el Paro? go into Paro's palace not Hamayama not on the brink of the river into his study his inner chambers, his private quarters. Address yourself to him while he has no crown in his head, no scepter in his hand, while he's not dressed in the royal robes. By the way, if you like this idea of Moshe having been his stepson, right, or brother, right, or stepbrother, right, there's an intimate relationship that exists there also between Moshe and Paro, Right? So this would actually works very nicely, right? He goes in quietly and has conversations with him. He has these public standoffs with him, but he also has these private conversations. Address yourself to him. Again, this is Rabbi Selvaitrich writing. This is not like, you know, you know fairy tales. Right? Address yourself to him while he is just a citizen, just an individual, just a father who loves his children. Speak to him what a child means to a mother. He certainly loves his children. Why should he issue an order that every newborn child should be snatched from the mother's arms and thrown into the Nile? Speak to him. Don't warn him. Rebuke him. Tell him about the dignity of man, which was bestowed on every individual, Egyptian and hebrew alike. Tell him. There's no doubt that Moshe many times spoke to Paro about it, about Avraham, about the new code of morality he discovered. He, this, this sense, the Rav says, that they must have had other conversations that were much more intimate and much more human. Perhaps his heart will, sunk, will be sunk, not by the warning, not by the ultimatum, not by the threat, by the few words which come from the depths of the heart, his heart will respond, perhaps power will experience a new heartbeat, a beat of sympathy and compassion. Bo el paro. Come. Why come? Come into the man, into his mind, into the recesses of his personality. Fascinating. Okay, so it's a very, obviously a gerasha. But it's a, it's a different language. And by the way, the different language fits very much with what happened each time? This rabbi b'chayel lanes up for us. But the rav follows up and makes it much deeper, right? Like these are different conversations. The rav actually says like, "There's two powers: there's power of the king and power of the individual, you know power of the person." And in that sense, he argues that there was this, you know, mirroring effect or not mirroring, like di- different, differing effect. Right? That he would speak to him like in public, and he also have these conversations like in his chambers. And you know, sometimes you see this in like, I don't know what really happens in real life, but in movies, in like law movies, right? You have like with. The defense and the prosecution have to talk to the, they talk to the judge in front of the court, and then every once in a while they meet they be, meet behind closed doors. They talk to the judge in his chambers. It's a different kind of conversation. The judge takes off his off his robe and they sit down and they just have a conversation off the table, you know, or, or at his desk and have a conversation. Some type of thing. Like there was an opportunity there for more, um, that was a little bit different. So I think it's very interesting. Um, but the rav also has a different approach. Also, I just want to show you that. that of Hirsch piece also. Okay. Do I want to? I'm gonna set aside. for a reason. It's very much a similar idea. It's not exactly the same, but um, but let's we'll skip it for now. Let's go. To, let's go to the next piece, in the row. So the next piece is from a different um, a different place. I think we sometimes underestimate, or maybe we don't, how much the Rav wrote on the Chumash. There's so much. Uh, you know, so many ideas that the Rav wrote on Chumash. He has lots of ideas on all kinds of philosophy and all kinds of you know, lonely man of faith and halachic man and all, and all those things. He wrote so much on Chumash, but it was scattered in so many different places. So, that, so they made this Chumash, the Mesorah Harav of Chumash, this grace uh, Chumashim, which just gather all of his ideas on Chumash and place them all in one place, which they, he didn't have a parish on the Chumash. He had so many ideas. So this idea, which is a, a very different one, um, is placed there but it really comes from that book Festival of Freedom that, that, that came out about, about Pesach so here he says a, t- a totally different idea and basically he talks about th- that there are two different types of a shliach and right, a person can be a shliach halachically in two very different ways and the rule is right in general shlucho sha'adam kamo I send a shliach they, they act like sort of in my place and they almost like become like me but there's two different types so on the one hand there's a shliach who can do something on my behalf, right? I can send a shliach to uh, get, married. get married, to deliver a get, chalila, oh, and in those situations, the shliach sometimes can even make their own choices. That's so what One of the best examples is when uh, this is an exact shliachos, but it is a also when Avram sends the eved or Eliezer, right, right to find a wife for Yitzchak. He doesn't even tell him which woman to choose. Right? He's given the freedom. To make a choice, right? Because Avram trusts him to do that which he wants him to, do, you know, d- d- he assumes he'll, he'll do the right thing, right? But in that sense, a shliach sometimes has a lot of latitude, and the shliach is kind of sent from the original person, and they have a connection, they're related, and they have, a, you know, relationships still, but the shliach is really working on their own. The person kind of stays, stays back, dispatches the shliach, and the, per- the shliach does whatever they want, right? But there's another kind of shlichos where... A messenger is sent, and yet the person who sends the messenger has to stick around. So, for example, when, the coin, when a person brings a korban, if you bring a korban, so what happens? So, you can't just send, you can't just like FedEx a cow to the, korban, to the base of Mikdash, and, the base of, and like some coin will take care of it for you. It doesn't work that way. Right? Like, I'll send my name. Right, and they'll, they'll stop him for me 40 days at the Kotel and a miracle's going to happen to me. I'm not trying to... Right, but right, right, You know how I feel about these things. But, like, right, but don't re- the, what, what, the reason I joke about it is because what, what does that mean when I send someone to do something for me and I don't... It means I don't have to do anything. Right? I just send it in and, they, and they go. Right? They do it for me. When it comes to a Korban, so I have to bring it myself. I can't check the Korban in the base of the There's the Kohen has to do that. Right? But I have to go and bring it there and I have to sit. I do smicha on the Korban. I lean, lean on the Korban. And then I have to stay there while it is brought on my behalf, right? Why? Because I can't just send it in and I'm gone. I have, it's being done for me, but sort of together with me. And the Rav says the same thing as the Sheikh Tzibor, right? When you're in shul, the Shalach Tzibor, don't say, like, here, be the Shalach Tzibor, you go into another room and you dive, and the rest of us are going to stay here and do nothing. That's not what we do. He, he davens, and that's, that's, why, that's why the, the reform, right? one of the biggest things the reform started was that what? that the Chazin would stand up on by the arum, because that's where Mahavdil, a priest, would stand, right? But the reason we don't do that, the, the, the goal is that the Chazin stands in the middle of the shul, either middle Mamish or even down below in front of the arum, but amongst the people, right? Abed Adler is very, very makbed. Abed Adler, Rabbi Yosef Adler, always Makbid that, even though he sat high up, he would always down of Esrei, down low. He would always come down from the, from the stage to, to, to David and the people. It's a different reason. But, but, the, but the point being that the shliach the tzibor is not someone that I send off and they do it for me. And I have no connection to them. I stay connected to them. So the Rav argued that's the difference between leich and bo. When Hashem says leich al-paro, someone says, you're going to go. go and I'm gonna, I'll hang back. But you go do your job. When he says to him, bo, like you said before, right? The very beginning, bo implies I'm, I'm here. I didn't leave you. I'm still with you when you go. And the fact that you went does not mean that now I've let you, I've, I've, I've sent you, and there's nothing there, and you're just on your own, right? Take a look all the way at the bottom. All right, I said towards the middle. This is the second kind of shlichus. The second kind of, see where I am? Yeah. the second kind of shlichus is personalistic. It is a relationship between two people who are united by a bond of friendship, Two people committed to the same destiny. Two people sharing in each other's travails and joys. Two people working for the same cause and confiding in each other. Two people living in an open, frank existence. These two people achieve a common identity from the viewpoint of halacha. Each of them may act in certain areas on behalf of the other, even though the latter is right there and is capable of performing the same deeds on his own. Right? By the way, when, I, when someone blows the shofar for me. You can't blow shofar for me and I'm not there. Right, You blow for me and I'm st- standing next to you. Right? Essentially, the Schlichos is a merger of identity. One acts on behalf of the other in the other's presence. This shlichos, the schlichos entrusted to a prophet belongs to the second category of personalistic Schlichos. Man unites with God, cleaves to God, and loves God with a great passion. He feels the hot breath of eternity upon his cold face. Wow. Yikes. Beautiful beautiful he feels the almighty he experiences the great sweetness and exaltedness engendered by the touch of infinity, infinity. As, an, as an aside this is that language it, it 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 takes you back to when the Rav gave a eulogy for the rebbitson so he talks also who was his his whatever you want to call it the rebbitson was the Rav's um, it's like even though he's a man Right. his the, the rav's the rav's the rav his the rav's married. daughter married the tanna Rebbe. So his the tanna rabbi's mother passed away. The rav gave eulogy for her. Sorry, and so in that in that argument, he talked a little bit about his own mother also, and he talks about the difference in his father and his mother. And his father taught him like halacha what to do, and his mother taught him how to feel. And he talks about that it's because of my mother. He said, I learned to feel that like the hand of Hashem on my shoulder. Basically, he says the same language here. You know, there's this like feeling the hot breath of eternity upon his cold face. He feels the Almighty, experiences the great sweetness and exaltedness engendered by the touch of infinity. That is what God says, why God says, Bo El Paro. It is not the form of shlichos when I I absent myself and you do whatever I told you to do. It's the personalistic shlichos where there's union between me and you. My thoughts will become your thoughts. My speech will break through you. Therefore, Moses, you are qualified because I am qualified. Bo El Paro, come with me. I will walk with you. I'll be there when you enter the palace and I will not leave you on your own. You are the shliach Tsibor, I am the Tzibor. Cool, right? I am united with you. You will walk together arm in arm, so to speak. Man can come so close to the Almighty that he and the Almighty are united. One voice, one feeling, one experience. Uh, finitude somehow embraced by infinity and yet not dis- disappearing, right? Somehow feeling that close to HaKadosh Baruch you can't be totally close, right? But as close as you can possibly be. But the idea being, and it takes us all the way back to the very first shot we saw, which was that, he, that Moshe was nervous. Moshe was feeling frustrated, feeling despondent. And Hashem says, don't worry, come. come." And that moment he says, come with me. Don't feel despondent, come with me. I thought it was so nice. If you look in Torah number nine, it's a great, uh, a great quote here. The Torah is a sefer, an old sefer. That's like, it gathers like, uh, you know, uh, nice vorts from the chasidim, Hasidish vorts. They have a quote here from the Katsuk Rebbe. It says the Katsuk Rebbe as follows. It doesn't say go to Paro. Come. You can't walk away from Hashem. As much as we might try to sometimes. You can't walk away from God. You can't go far from Him. He's everywhere. He's, he's fills the whole world. I'll be with you wherever you go. It's a beautiful idea, right? And I think the, the point is, right, sometimes we as, which is what we are, all of us are Shlicha That's our job. Right? And that's every single one of us. And sometimes we feel like we've just been sent on a mission. Go. And he doesn't, and we, you know, it's hard to find him, right? And we feel like he's not around. And I think the language of Bo El Paro is a reminder, especially from the Katska Rebbe. Even when he says Leich, he really means Bo also, right? If he tells to go do stuff, he's around and he's with us and he takes us and he, and, he, and he holds our hand. Even when we feel sometimes like he's not around, we can't see him, we can't feel him. He seems to be kind of missing. Uh, it's there, it's in those moments, that it's our opportunity to remind ourselves that Hashem doesn't just say Leich, Hashem also says Bo, and I think that this language that's used for Moshe, when Moshe's having a hard time and feeling concerned about where he's going to go, I think is the exact same language that's, you know, again, I think very real, especially right now. I think, and I think it, I didn't think about it before, like it, it, it mirrors so beautifully, and sadly, but also beautifully, kind of like I said, where we are when we started. You know, On the one hand, you feel like a lot's been happening, there's a lot of bombs going off, there's a lot of enemies being destroyed, but it's still a sense of like, oh, uh-huh, well, okay, okay, what? Like, is this, is this good? Is it bad? Where is it going? You read the news. What does that mean? What does it mean a the second phase? What does it mean in the third phase? What does it mean this phase? What does it mean North Gaza? What does it mean South Gaza? What does that mean to us? Are things happy? Are we happy about this? Is this going well? And we don't know. And we feel like it's just like leich. You know, and maybe it's a good time to have a, a precious bow. We're reminded that, I you mean, know, we never walk away from emotional. We feel like we walk away from emotional. But he still remains, uh, remains around, remains there with us, and he's holding our hand as we uh, try to figure it all out. Because we're never going to figure it all out. But, uh, you know, if we can remember that he's, that he's walking along with us, just like Moshe Benin did, and just like Amir's has done for thousands of years afterwards. So hopefully we can feel a little comfort as we try to figure out our way through what's going on in the world. Okay?
1: Okay. Yeah. Thank you. you. Thank you. Yeah,